Welcome back, everybody, to the This Is My Bourbon Podcast ISO Sessions. I am super, super thrilled to welcome back to the show, Marianne Eve. Oh, my goodness, it's been far too long. How are you, Marianne? I'm doing great, Perry. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Goodness, it's so good to talk to you after many, many, many life changes that we've both gone through over the past year. Um, <laughs> yeah. First off, congratulations on bringing life into the world. Hey, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I'm, I'm excited that uh, you guys are, are going through this uh, for sure. And then, you know, as as you were about to give birth to, we also found out that we were pregnant with a girl. And I'm I'm like, I'm super excited, but I'm also like kind of also freaking out about the fact that there's a child that's going to be my responsibility. So <laughs> as, as a first time mom, like have, have you kind of a, a adapted pretty easily to baby life or um, how are y'all handling that so far? Yeah, she's, she's uh, just an absolute joy. You know, it, it, there have definitely been aspects that have been difficult. We're, we're fortunate. She's a, she's been a really good sleeper since like month two and we've oh, been great. getting like six, seven hour stretches. And, you know, now she's almost three months and getting to the place where she's making all these sweet noises and smiling a whole lot. Oh. We haven't got to giggling, really giggling just yet, but it's just getting better and better. You're going to love it. Oh, I'm I'm so excited for it! I, I cannot wait to to get to that point. Um, let's let's talk about a couple of things. Um, first off, you've got a, a a brand new product that just came out, um, Sweetens Cove, which was in conjunction with Peyton Manning of, of all people. How did you wind up getting involved in this uh, in this product uh, project? Two of the owners of the golf course, Jared Poe and Mark Rivers reached out to me through my website. Uh, actually, no, I take that back. They reached out to me because they had been referred to me by the distillery that they were storing their their product. So they purchased these 100 barrels. They, they actually already had the product before they reached out to me. Um, they were looking for somebody to help them blend it because, you know, they, they didn't want it to just be, you know, something thrown into a bottle, something that's just like what everybody else was doing, you know, sourcing yeah, some product to get started, throwing it in a bottle, slapping a label on it. They wanted there to, to truly be some um, craftsmanship behind the, the product. So they reached out to me. I was very interested in not just tasting, you know, through a, a hundred barrels of 13 year old bourbon, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I, I really haven't had the chance to do that since I left Brown Foreman. Uh, and then it, 13 year old was, was kind of rare back then anyway. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> we got the, the 12 year old birthday bourbon, but didn't let it go, get much older than that. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. But also just them talking about their love for the golf course itself. I'm not a golfer, but I feel like now I have to learn because the way that they <laughs> describe Sweeten's Cove and how beautiful it is, the condition that it was in, you know, as they were first discovering it, it was almost like, um, that romantic story of preservation that felt so familiar to me in my, my last project. So being a part of this team, um, really excited me. 
That's awesome. I, it, it's always cool hearing how they they reach out to how, how people reach out to others with an interest in you know wanting to bring them on board and make them a part of um, you know something that they really truly believe in. So that's that is really exciting to hear. Um, I, I I am I've been saying this on the show so much recently. And it's kind of like, I don't know why it's been my default phrase, but like, I'm so interested in trying that, you know, just like, it's really not often that you get to try 13 year old bourbon, um, especially at, at a fairly high proof. Yeah. Um, did you do much proof gauging, um, in that regard, uh, or, or was everything pretty straightforward in terms of, uh, what you, what you wanted to, to do with it? Well, it, it was interesting, you know, it, it, these um, barrels were entered pretty low at 115 proof and mm -hmm. they lost proof over time, which is not something that that's been my experience. You know, having worked for Brown Foreman, everything increased in proof. It was extremely rare to find a barrel that had lost proof. So for every single barrel to be considerably lower than 115, I, I just, that's just interesting to me. And I think, you know, partially to do with, um, the way that they were stored, the environment in which they were stored, which I don't know a lot about. Um, so they were kind of ranging between 92, 93, up, somewhere to 104 proof, just right out of the barrel. So I didn't want to take it down anymore. I, I sure. thought that, and, and they were really kind of on the, on the same page with that from the get go, that this should be a cast strength release. Um, folks that pick mm -hmm. up um, a bottle that's a couple hundred dollars and a 13 year old bourbon, um, they, they want to taste it uh, unadulterated, we'll say, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, not, not diluted. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's why we went that direction. Sure. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to spend all this time to talking business, talking shop, of course, because, you know, the, the ISO sessions were originally developed as just like a chance to kind of chat and, uh, catch up. So I wanted I wanted to kind of get that out of the way um, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> before we started. Just kind of just kind of checking in um, on how you've been doing because you know mm -hmm. the the world's in a crazy place right now, and um, it, you know three months ago the world looked totally different than it does right now. But um, how how have you been holding up during all of the the coronavirus lockdowns and and uh, isolation and everything? Well, it, it's interesting. You know, we started really hearing about coronavirus, and um, it was starting to come into the states like the in in the weeks leading up to Andy's birth. So I was at my right. mom's house, and she was telling me that she didn't want me to leave the house, and I was. <laughs> like frustrated with her. Like, well, like why, why are you going to, yeah. I, I felt like it was like, um, imprisonment or something like that. Sure, but of yeah. course we, we didn't know how serious it, it was going to get. I, I had no idea. My sister was sending me photos of her wearing like these almost military-esque, um, face masks. She was on oh it gosh. before everybody else was, that's for sure. <laughs> I thought she was yeah. just absolutely blowing it out of proportion and being crazy. Um, so essentially Andy was born on the 13th of March. And that's 
almost to the day when things started shutting down. It it was just just wild. You yeah. know, I don't know that I would have left the house uh, for a couple months anyway, but really for the first two and a half months, I just went to Target for the first time two days ago. I, I oh had not been out of the house to a store, nothing. Um, we, uh, Kevin and I, my, my partner and I live in yeah. an RV. I don't know if you know the whole story, but we met in, in Lexington, uh, while the circus was in town, he owns a circus and he's the ringmaster. Right. Yeah. So September of last year, uh, we moved in together and mm-hmm. um, I started on the road with, with them. And it was toward the end of the 2019 season, starting into the, the 2020 season. So we had made this game plan. I'm going to have the baby in Florida. That's where mom is. Um, he'll just kind of drop right. me off with her on the way through <laughs> up to <laughs> you know the next circus venue because they don't spend really more than two weeks in, in any one city. It's kind of a, a crazy lifestyle, but I, I was ready for it. I knew we were bringing Andy into, and then the world just kind of shut down. So um, we stayed with my mom, Kevin. Um, Kevin was there for her birth, which was insane. It was uh, five and a half hours from my first contraction to her coming into the world. And wow. an hour and a half of that was us in the car. <laughs> oh my god! I was in full like active labor. It was wild. Oh my um, but she, she arrived and she was absolutely perfect. And um, Kevin left the next morning after she was born to go pack up the circus um, indefinitely. They, they cut their Louisiana venue short. Um, they moved mm-hmm. all the stuff to Texas and that's where it sits today. Um, sure. Yeah. So we, well, the reason why I even brought up, we, we live in an RV is cause we, we moved from Florida to Texas, but we're able uh-huh. to kind of quarantine on the road Right, yeah. Because we have our, our house. You know, we'd stop at a gas station. He has his bottle of, of Windex that kills, you know, 99.9% of everything, <laughs> spraying down the, the pump, you know, from top to bottom before he, he does gas, and then we'd move along down the road. But having all of right. our food in our little, you know, contained bubble. So we got to Texas. Um, we had plans to continue going further out west. But we we ended up staying in Texas about a month, and we are going to head back there. I'm actually actually in Colorado Springs right now, um, which is not a, a bad place to be. But it, oh no, not at all. Yeah, it's just <laughs> so interesting to observe the differences now as places are opening back up. You know, before we left sure. Texas, the the circus is parked at at a little. Um, bar they they have food trucks i wouldn't call it a bar grill it's more just just kind of like a a hangout concert venue bar situation and they were Mm -hmm. open and having you know live music and people were there hanging out no masks you know drinking playing um uh what is that game where the ball is attached to a rope around a pole i don't even know oh tetherball yes (laughs) Okay. <laughs> with the ball attached to a tether what is that one? <laughs> oh my gosh well no no no, no. it's not good 
<laughs> yeah, but it, it was just wild. And then coming to Colorado and everybody, almost everybody you see has got their masks on and keeping their social distance, you know, even though some things sure. are opening up. But we drove into Denver, not yesterday, but the day before. And, um, you know, I had been keeping up with news, but to actually oh, yeah. see some of the destruction from the riots was really um, kind of gut-wrenching to, yeah. you know, to know that it's really come to the point where something drastic had to be done to be heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that, <clears throat> you know, we, we've been talking about over the past week is how, how long it's taken for notice to even be seen. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and like, we, we have so many friends through the show who are both police officers and African-Americans. And, you know, you, you hear every story on both sides and it's just like, it feels just so much like everything is splintering Mm -hmm. right now. And it's so, it's scary and it's sad. And, and I really, you know, I, I, I did a like kind of a prelude to this episode that, that just came out this week. Um, just reminding people that, you know, in, within our community, within the bourbon community, everybody's accepted, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we're all, we're all here for, for each other and we're all here to, to support each other. And, you know, at, at the end of it, you know, we can, we can pull out a, a special pour and say, let, let's just, let's just take five and just have something that we can, we can share together. That's positive, you know, and it just, it feels right now. It sounds so cliche, but it sounds, it feels like right now we just all need to sit down together with a good bottle of bourbon and just, and just chill out and talk for however long. Um, Not being on defensive, you know, truly listening and and being present with one another. You know, it's, it is very divided and it's so easy to support our, our own bias with, you know, what the the media that we're consuming, Mm -hmm. something that has been pointed out over and over again, you know, this is, um, happening in a moment where people are are stuck inside we've gotten used to getting our information through our our devices and we all know how um much of a filter everything that we see goes through with these different algorithms and and such so even though there are people showing up in person and witnessing and experiencing these things we're not all receiving the same message. We don't all, you know, get the same information about what is happening and who's involved. And, and, um, what we need to do is listen to one another, listen to people that we trust, um, and listen to people that maybe we don't always agree with. 
I I 100% agree. Gotta gotta get our our message from as many different angles as possible so that we can come to um, some kind of common ground, I think. Absolutely. And I I think this is... Uh, it, to to your point about you know the the lens that we see the world through based on how we receive information, how we receive news media, you know I think this is really starting to show us how important firsthand accounts are, mm-hmm. and how how important people's individual truths are, and it it does sound a little bit cheesy, but goodness it would it it just you're right if we could just listen to one another for a little while and it sounds very touchy-feely and and everything (laughs) but i think that's what it that's that's kind of what what people need right now is just to be heard Mm -hmm. you know and i i i don't know what it looks like i can sit here and and you know we can talk about it for hours and hours on end but you know it, there, there's some something needs to change clearly, and I, I kind of, it, it feels like it's moving in the right direction. There's definitely but, been <laughs> been some um, developments that that would lead you to to have some hope for sure. you know justice for families and maybe some healing, um, a lot of people opening their eyes, I think. Absolutely. And their hearts. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, and again, we, we can, we can talk about it ad nauseum. <laughs> Probably. <of course. laughs> but goodness, you know, we, we just, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to when things slow down a little bit. And Dude, 2020. Yeah, 2020. Can we just can we just <laughs> start 2020 over again? Can we? Can it just be <laughs> redo? <laughs> Hit that command Z and let's just. Have you tried unplugging it and plugging it back right? in? Right. And... <laughs> oh wow. I there was some article I I can't remember where where it was written, but it's like you know in the first six months of 2020, it feels like we've had a decade of of big events. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the most succinct way I've heard anybody put it yeah. so far. That is perfect. Yeah, oh, they man. just keep coming. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. I I gotta I gotta ask you too. How ready were you to get back into bourbon tasting after <laughs> after the, the pregnancy? After a little one. Um, yeah. yeah, I was I was definitely ready to to have a a drink that I could actually swallow. I did the the blending for Sweetens Cove while I was still pregnant. So that was kind of funny as um, I knew that, you know, if I, if I took my time, I didn't swallow it. I was, you know, constantly swishing water between samples to try and, you know, continuously rinse out that alcohol. Um, I, 
So I, I had taste, but I, I wasn't actually like fully enjoying it. It felt very yeah, of course. clinical. <laughs> you were you were working. It yeah, was, totally. It wasn't a it wasn't a joyous. Well, I mean, in some ways, it could have been a, a joyful experience, but <laughs> you know, it, there were there was purpose behind it. I guess. I hear you. It's so interesting. <laughs> you know, I I read some books and and there's lots of discussion about um, alcohol consumption and, and pregnancy and um, how it's seen so differently in, in different parts of the world. But you know, Mm -hmm. the, when it it comes down to it, it, it's basically like nobody is willing to fully investigate the, the potential. They, they only can use examples of, of women that, uh, kind of do it on their own. Like you couldn't have a test group and say, all right, ladies, you go out and binge drink five <laughs> nights a week. And, and you, you guys have your, your half a glass of wine, you know, and, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, yeah. So it, it's kind of like, no, nobody really knows if there's a, um, an effect to a certain point there, there are correlations that can be made. Like, um, in Europe, if you have a couple glasses of wine a night, it's not a big deal. Um, but then there's also, you know, some rare case, you know, a woman has half a glass of champagne and her baby's born with fetal alcohol syndrome. So I, I took the route of being more careful. So other than work, I didn't drink at all. Had yeah, consumed nothing. So I was ready for a beer, a glass of wine. Yeah. Now I'm back on on bourbon. I'd have made that that transition. Basically, just doing <laughs> neat bourbon. It's it's fun because I have all these bottles that we were kind of like racking up on the road as I was pregnant because we were moving to all these different places. I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't drink it. So we have bourbon from all across the country, and now I get to go back and 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 enjoy them. That was that was my next question too. Was you know, did you have a a particular bottle that was kind of just staring at you while you were <laughs> while you were pregnant and you were just waiting for it for the the chance to crack it open? <laughs> there was. Um, so I was I was gifted a bottle of New Riff single barrel, and I knew oh. it was going to be special. You know, because they they sent it to me for I think it was Women's History Month, um, but I oh, really wanted to to try some of that one. So I finally did get to try it and and it's and, warm. And it, every- it's, it, it lived up to my expectations for sure. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good to hear. <laughs> so, and it might be the only Kentucky bourbon I have in my cabinet right now, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Here in the RV at my house back in Kentucky, I have boxes and boxes of, of really cool stuff <laughs> that I just left there. Like I'm, you know, getting on the road when I, I can't enjoy any of this stuff. And if I take it with us, it's at risk because Kevin is sure. still consuming <laughs> maybe at a, an even higher rate because I, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally, that's totally fair. So you, you've, I, I think I don't want to, I don't want to get too into it. Of course. The elephant in the room, of course, and you can you can talk about it as as much or as little as you want. Mm-hmm. Was your your transition from master distiller at Castling Key to being a consulting distiller? Mm-hmm. Um, how has how have you felt 
in that transition? Was it a difficult step in your career? Did it come kind of naturally to you or where, where do you kind of sit with that right now? And again, I, I know that there's, there's only so much that you can, that you, you might want to say, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm going to, I'm going to leave that up to you. I'm going to open up the floor to you to kind of talk about what, what's gone on for you since then. When I made the decision that it was time to move on from Castle and Key, it wasn't something um, that I necessarily thought was going to happen at the moment that it did. Um, I had been considering for maybe even a year before I actually um, resigned that I would really like to be able to work with different brands and different types of spirits and, and broaden my education as a distiller um, even more. I thought I could be, you know, even more valuable as a um, master distiller there, you know, having a, a larger impact on the industry as a whole. I I had already been traveling around the, the country a little bit with Kevin. Um, you know, he started in, in Lexington. We met, we had like a week together. And then if we wanted to keep seeing each other, I either had to travel to him or he had to come back to Lexington <laughs> for a couple of days. So I get to sure. see a bunch of stuff that, that, um, I wouldn't have otherwise. And it started to kind of get the wheels turning. You know, I was definitely in the camp with every other bourbon producer in, in Kentucky at the time that, 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 uh, I was learning all of this stuff. You know, you, you hear people say, yes, bourbon can be made anywhere in the U S. Um, but the best bourbon is made in Kentucky. And of course the most bourbon is made in Kentucky. But I, I found that as I was traveling around, I'd let people know I was in these different places and they would want to make introductions and like, we're so proud of our, our local distillery. We think they make great stuff. You need to go check them out. And then I might meet with, you know, the owner of the distiller and, and taste some stuff that, that really was pretty consistently surprising me, uh, in a, in a great way. And so it wasn't like I had a thing. There wasn't something that I knew was going to come through. I had any security um, leaving Castle and Key. I just took the the leap. There was mm-hmm. there was a little bit of a, a push behind it too that I, I sure. don't think um, I'll, I'll maybe, you know, I... <laughs> it's, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. I totally, I totally understand. That's <laughs> some why I things said are, this is... are better left on on set at the at the exactly. moment. Yeah, um, exactly. But it it was it was um, definitely scary, but also exciting. And I think sure making those transitions, taking the leap, is even more scary if you you can't envision. Um, a path beyond it. But I mm-hmm. knew that there was opportunity out there. I just didn't know exactly what it was yet. So it took, um, you know, a few months to get my first client and, and really start working in the direction of being a consultant. It wasn't until pretty recently that I actually set up the, the LLC for my business and um, of course, Sweet Sweetens Cove came on board. I've got a, right. a five or six 
clients, many of the the folks that I've been working with since making the transition have, have been more behind the scenes. Because what my passion is is this the technical side, the um, R and D, the um, processes and product development, and kind of the nuts and bolts stuff. Not necessarily being the the face of a brand and and doing all the tastings yeah. and the the road show. I mean that that was absolutely really fun for me um, <laughs> while I was working for Brown Foreman especially, but also, you know, starting to, to get into that a little more at, at Castle and Key, but I felt um, this shift starting to happen. I felt the same thing when I made the, the move from Brown Foreman to Castle and Key, which everybody thought I was crazy then too. I just wasn't <laughs> as, as widely known. So it was a smaller group that thought I was crazy, but um, sure. Even my dad thought thought I was nuts for leaving Woodford to go to this <laughs> distillery that was, you know, falling in on itself. But yeah, yeah, I, I you know, I and and really, I needed some time. I could have jumped back into something immediately. I had lots of offers. You know, we need a master distiller. So and so is looking for a master distiller. X Y Z distillery wants, you know, you to to help them out with this and that. Or, you know, Joe Schmo moonshine. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I definitely could have um, jumped right back on or, you know, that never, never really stopped if, if I had um, needed to. But I had the, the opportunity to take some time, um, refocus, um, just rest. Cause yeah having been at, at Brown Foreman for six years and, and really two years working um, essentially two full-time jobs, having the R and D job and then the brand ambassador work with Woodford and old Forester, and then jumping right into building this, this distillery from rubble um, four years, yeah. nose, nose to the, the, the grindstone and eventually um, releasing some products that I was really proud of. Um, you know, unfortunately, I, I won't be there when the bourbon that I, the recipes that I developed for Castle and Key hit the, the shelf. Um, right. But that it's just part of life. You know, you let go of things sometimes um, because there's there's something something else out there that that uh, captures your imagination or, you know, there's a new dream to pursue. Yeah. And it, I, I, I imagine in some regard too, and, and you talked about, you know, that you, you were a little bit afraid to, to take that leap and everything, but I mean, goodness, it had to have been in, incredibly bittersweet to, you know, take that leap before anything ever actually mm -hmm. came out that you had created. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't easy. It was not easy. For sure. We we spent and I, I know that the the bourbon community as a whole spent so much time just kind of pondering and, and questioning and just, you know, straight out theorizing <laughs> why you you would even leave and you know people were saying things like, well, maybe the, the, you know, the product's not that good or something <laughs> happened or, you know, and, and like there's, the, there's a, there's a, a solace in it hearing that, you know, 
whether it's, you know, 75%, 98%, 99.9% of the way your decision, you know, that that is encouraging too. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it it, was, even if you just talk, mm-hmm. go ahead, sorry. It, it wasn't entirely my decision to, to Well, of leave. course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you know, you, you talk about you know, careers, you talk about getting stuck in the, in the same, the same career path and everything. And I think that's kind of, there, there's a, there's a sense of encouragement behind it. You know, take that leap, take that chance, go and try and do something that might change your life for the better. Mm -hmm. And it sounds, it sounds like it wasn't a, bad decision on your part (laughs) not you know personally I am so happy with where I am right now and the the people that I I get to work with and the projects that I'm working on the opportunities that have come my way have been really exciting and um, of course you know having the time and flexibility to to be a mom in the way that I want to be um yeah, of course. Yeah, going on this circus adventure, you know, it's all <laughs> all really wonderful to have been able to um, take this journey. Sure, for sure. We won't. We will. We'll put the kibosh on that conversation <laughs> at this point because I, I know, you know, there, there's there's only so much that can be said, and um, I, I appreciate you opening up about you know your your experience towards the end of your uh your, your tenure with with castle and key um so we'll 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 definitely move on uh from there what what do you have next uh kind of in in the in the wings for consultation yeah so i'm working still with hoops vineyard in napa um mm-hmm. lindsay hoops had a significant loss of product because of these wildfires that have been happening year after year. But in particular, the 2017 fires were just absolutely devastating. So trying to figure out a way. Wildfires seem like just a passing thought anymore. I know. Right. You know, I mean like this is the same year that Australia was basically burning to the ground. You know? Yeah. Remember when the entire country was on fire? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it seems like a lifetime ago. I My know. goodness gracious. Exactly. Sorry, continue. Exactly. <laughs> Please continue. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Um, so I've been been continuing work with her. And as soon as it feels safe, I'm going to go up there and, and continue some work on the ground there, blending, um, figuring out some different um, maturation processes for the different brandies that, that we distilled back at the end of 2019. Um, we had been discussing like, all right, uh, cause she, Lindsay was actually pregnant at the same time and, and her baby was due in December. So oh, wow. I, I got there uh, like a week before she was due something crazy and, and we're uh-huh. in her kitchen blending stuff. She's, she's incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we parted ways saying, all right, you'll come back maybe like the end of April. Um, once all, the babies are, are all settled in and, and we'll, we'll get back to work. Well, with the, um, 
pandemic and <laughs> all of that stuff, it, it kind of put a, a hold on, on travel plans, but, um, you know, maybe it's not too far off. Um, I'm also right. doing some, some consulting work with the St. Augustine distillery in Florida. Mm-hmm. I really like what they make and it, and I'm not really helping them with the product. I'm, I'm just doing some, um, kind of process related consultation. It's, you know, they're, they're a distillery that's established a, a reputation of quality. And what they need to do now is put just some structure in place so that as they grow, they'll have good um, ways to train people and make sure that processes are, are done in a consistent way. And, you know, if there is turnover that they can bring on the next people and have as much confidence in, in the way they're um, doing things as the folks that they, they had before. So it's basically just a, a production operations, like training manual that, that we're making together. They're doing most of the work. I'm just cracking the whip. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. And a little bit of guidance from, from my experience in, in different places. <laughs> Yeah, I've got oh, awesome. I've got um, a client. Uh, nothing's really been um, communicated publicly yet, but it's another bourbon that I'm pretty excited about. Um, That's awesome. There's a brand, uh, actually, a hotel group, and they're they're across the nation, but they have a a new um, property that they're opening in. Tampa and they wanted me to help them create a custom rum. So Mm -hmm. that's something that I've never done before, but I'm, I'm super stoked about learning about it. And, um, I, I met a, a really cool small scale rum distiller not too long ago. And so they were the first one to come to mind in, um, in Florida, copper bottom spirits. Um, they make really nice, clean, um, but flavorful rum. Like it's, it's a high quality fermentation and they're, they're coming out with really cool stuff and every, um, bottle, they, they actually only release in single barrels. So that's kind of fun too, but I'm, I'm having conversations with them about, producing this, um, custom rum for this hotel. Uh, and I'm hoping that I can get some, uh, money to do a little R and D tripping, maybe go down to the Caribbean and (laughs) (laughs) that's the the best kind of research and development right there. (laughs) Like I I really need to go to the source of where this rum agricole is born. So if you just uh, put me on a plane, we'll figure all this stuff out. We'll make the best rum you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. I can't can't wait to see uh, what is coming next. We're going to go ahead uh, and get you out of here. Uh, Mary and Eves, thank you so much for for sitting down uh, virtually, albeit uh, for, for this ISO session. Uh, where can people find some more information on what you're doing, social media links, all that stuff? Um, like I mentioned, you know, there, there's some info out there on, on my social media. Um, it's Marianne BMD bourbon master distiller for Facebook and Instagram. Um, my website is MarianneEves.com, and there's a few things like different, um, 
like my TED talk and there's some other like short video clips and in a contact <laughs> form, which is the most important thing. Just if people want to get in touch with me, have questions, um, uh, are interested in, in consulting or speaking in engagements or, or whatever, that's a, a great way to get in touch with me is through the website. That's awesome. Great. And uh, we'll, we'll post links below uh, in the, the video, or excuse me, the video description, the episode description. Golly, I've been <laughs> watching too much YouTube recently. <laughs> uh, but you, you'll find all that in the episode description below as well. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow the show, it's at my bourbon pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can leave us a five-star rating and review on the iTunes podcast app, and then you become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast for as little as a dollar a month. Once again, Marianne, so good to talk to you. So good to hear that you're doing well. Um, hopefully, once you get back to, to Lexington, we'll be able to sit down together with, with our babies, potentially. And <laughs> that sounds awesome. Have a couple drinks together. Yeah, watch them right. stare at each other and, and bat the air. <laughs> not, not be sure what on earth is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again. Alrighty, we'll, absolutely. Thank you. We'll see you all for the next ISO sessions. But until then, I'm Perry, and this is my bourbon podcast. ISO Sessions.